A lifeguard shortage is affecting public pools across the country. The problem of child sex abuse in the Boy Scouts of America. This extremely tight-knit community shattered by gun violence. I don't want another young gymnast, Olympic athlete, or any individual to experience the horror that I and hundreds of others have endured. Closing pools nationwide is causing some unexpected people to step up. Welcome to Episode 8 of Staffing, Safety, and Society. I'm Kevin Trapani. And I'm Paige Bagwell. Paige, today we're going to talk about another tough topic. We mental are. Health, mm, mental health and suicide. I know. Deep breath. You know, yeah, really, everybody deep breath. We recognize that this topic is not only hard, but it can be triggering. And mm-hmm. we're going to be careful with our language. We may get some stuff wrong, but we're going to work on it today. And listen, if you or anyone you know is struggling or considering self-harm, there are resources. There's a brand new nationwide hotline. Call 988 or text SMS 988, the new suicide and crisis hotline in the U.S. It's available 24-7 in English and in Spanish. Mm. Yeah, very important. Okay, let's start, though, with today's headline. Yeah, yeah. It is that season, Paige. Uh, it's the season of early college acceptance, decision, and all of that kind of stuff. And the headline I want to talk about today is what came out yesterday. Mm-hmm. Really big deal. Yale and Harvard's law schools withdraw from U.S. news rankings. Yeah, huge, huge deal. Did you ever see? think you'd see that? No. Listen, they said that they think it's inaccurate and it promotes inequity. And uh, as uh, graduate schools, as they work to create more equitable access for marginalized communities, they feel like that punishes them in the rankings inappropriately and incentivizes the wrong kind of behavior. And so they just pulled out. Now, by the way, in the last year, Yale was ranked number one and Harvard number four. So this is a big, big deal. Right. Right. It is. It's a huge statement. And I think I'm, I'm proud of them. Like Like to be the institutions that they are. I think this is big. This is really big. It is. And so I want to call everybody's attention to two things. First of all, there's a wonderful book. Just by the way, if you have a kid who's waiting for a decision or thinking about college next year or two, um, or if somebody in your family, there's a book written a few years ago by Frank Bruni, and it's called Where You Go Is Not Who You Will Be. Hmm. Amen. (laughs) That's <laughs> right. We're a little longer in the tooth that we recognize that, you know, right. where you go to college is not the be all and end all. And Bruni in his book just takes this on beautifully, writes a whole chapter on people that have been incredibly successful in every walk of life. And right. do you know, Paige, what was the most significant thing about where they chose to go to their undergraduate institution? What? Close to home and what they could afford. Yeah. What, like? Common sense. Right. Right. <laughs> I would and, like to feel safe and secure and not be in debt for the rest of my life. <laughs> exactly. And then you can go on to be a political leader, a successful business person, an actor. You can do anything you want. And so we spend too much time freighting up this decision. Uh, you know, it's all about kind of where you get in your undergraduate, and it just isn't. Yeah, so it's not. Uh, we need to keep that in mind. And I'll share my dad's comment to me when I was. Uh, thinking about college, I was blessed to have a bunch of choices, which was great. And uh, a lot of kids are blessed to have a lot of choices and they're choosing from a lot of good options, which is what they don't understand. What my dad said to me was spend less time trying to make the right decision and more time trying to make the decision right. Mm, Good advice. That's great advice. 
My dad had lots of good advice. Dads do that. My dad said, no matter where you go, just remember nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> right? I mean, so two questions. Did you believe him at the time? Of course I didn't. Oh. But do I say it to my children? Absolutely. <laughs> nothing good happens after midnight. Well, listen, let's dive in today and we're going to talk about mental health support. And Paige, we talk a lot about caring for kids, which is good. Right. But our listeners care for communities and our communities are in crisis. Over 20% of people, one in five, more than one in five in the U.S. experienced mental illness in 2020. A tough year to be sure, but that number wasn't that much different than the year before and won't be much different than 2021 when we see that data. And too many of those people are taking their own lives. Mm -hmm. Today, we're going to talk about suicide and what we can all do to prevent it or at least reduce the incidence of suicide right. in the U.S. And we're going to start with language. It is. I mean, because Kevin, just like what you said, people are in pain, they're hurting, right? And so when you, just like you would handle any other crisis in somebody's life, you were how you say and approach them, just like you were talking about seniors in high school, do they want to be asked every third sentence where they're going to college? Probably right. not. So when you're thinking of someone that's in a traumatic state or crisis state, how we approach that with them is really important. So words do matter. The topic of suicide should be approached with so much care and compassion because a lot of times you don't know where people are. You don't know what's going on in their lives. And so, you know, approaching people with um, showing them that they're valued and with care and compassion all the time is important. So whether we're engaging in a dialogue, talking to someone with a lived experience or writing about the issue, we do that sometimes in our work, mm -hmm. you know, using professional language, just being mindful about that because one little trigger of a word can make the difference. It's about saving lives. For Either example, way. right. For example, we even struggle with this when we were working on what we wanted to talk about today, not saying commit suicide. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've, yeah. Our society has been saying that for years, but instead saying, you know, died by suicide. They didn't, it wasn't a crime. It wasn't a committing of something. It was, they, they passed away by, by suicide. Right. Um, don't say unsuccessful suicide. Why would we ever consider that? Because we would never say successful. Right. 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 So like, that, let's take those words out of it. That's, those are two words that should never be together. Say non-fatal suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. Don't say this person is suicidal. Maybe they're thinking of suicide or they're having thoughts around self-harm. Being suicidal gives people a, a title and a something that is now there are more things for them to carry on their shoulders that is not in a healthy place already. So it's not their identity. Exactly. It's not. Mm -hmm. The language we use can also have a positive effect, which is really important to call out, which makes choosing the right words just as important as avoiding the wrong ones. Mm -hmm. So like be direct when you're, when you know that you're talking to someone about suicide um, or, or what could cause suicidal thoughts, um, it can help them feel less isolated or scared just by having the conversation. Like, talk to me. I hear you're saying that you've really, you know, you've shared some information with me. I'm, I'm listening. I want to hear what you have to say. So just being present in that, um, be hopeful. People can and do get better. What is inevitable is change. And what we want is positive change in everyone's life and around them. And so being there to listen, to be hopeful for people, sharing that change can happen is just really important. That encouragement, suicide or not, everyone needs it. 
everyone needs it. And Paige, you raise a really interesting point because we know that the data shows that when you talk to somebody about suicide, it does not increase their ideation or the likelihood that they would decide to try to take their own lives. It just doesn't. That's why there's the whole practice of mental health, even police intervention, even on the ledge. You wouldn't do that if you thought it increased the chances of them committing harm. In fact, it has the opposite effect. It does. It gives them maybe that just that glimmer of hope they needed, just that someone is listening. Right. Well, let's let's just talk about what the scope of this is uh, in the United States. And and we're going to use a bunch of data, most of which comes from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which is a wonderful resource for anybody who's kind of thinking about this or talking about it in whatever way. So overall, there are about 130 suicide deaths in the United States every single day. And interestingly, the rate of suicide is highest in middle-aged white men who account for 70% of suicide deaths. That, and what makes that interesting is that middle-aged white men or white men in general mm-hmm. represent only 31% of the U.S. population. So the rate of suicide is well more than twice uh, the presence in the population. And we're talking about men here. Men die by suicide four times more often than women do. Gosh. These are devastating numbers, overwhelming numbers. Now, why would that be? Now, it might be that society has made boys and men feel weak or wrong about when they show emotions or they talk about their emotions. So we men tend to bottle things up instead of talking about it. I know that's hard to believe because I don't. I tend to express Mm -hmm. that stuff and I'm grateful to my mom and dad because they encourage me to do that. But that's not the case with everybody. And bottling it up, we know, tends to lead to longer term mental health battles. It just does. There's a more simple answer about why men die by suicide more often than women. Men use guns. So 53% of suicide deaths are from guns. A little over 60% of male suicide deaths come from guns, compared with about 33% for women. Mm -hmm. Now, what's really important to understand here is that using anything other than a gun, there are a lot of ways of people taking their own lives and using anything other than a gun, there's an 85% chance that that person is going to survive. Now with a gun, you flip the data. 90% of the time, the act is fatal. That flip right there is like just astronomical for me. Incredible. It's about access to guns. Now, what's also important is that People who survive a suicide attempt, and this is counterintuitive, people who survive a suicide attempt do not generally eventually die from self-harm. You said before, they get better. They get an intervention of some sort, and they go on and lead a productive life. So access to guns when a person is in crisis is a key negative dynamic. So we talk here all the time, not just about the problem, but what can we do? And and this is a clear opportunity to convene your community. As you say all the time, our listeners have the opportunity to convene people or talk in your family, learn about and advocate for what are called red flag laws, which allow for the removal of guns from a person or a household in crisis. And if your state already has a red flag law, which many do advocate that they be enforced, which too often they aren't. So there's this opportunity in a very much bipartisan, nonpartisan way, because well over 80% of U.S. citizens believe in and support red flag laws. Right. That's an opportunity to act. 
Now, the other piece about this that's interesting is <laughs> the vast majority, 93% of adults in the United States think suicide can be prevented. That's why we're most having people. a conversation. <laughs> yeah, right? most people think that. So let's move on then and talk about how, yeah. do we, how, how do we help folks in this situation? Well, I think one piece of the puzzle is just mental health in our country in general and just the cost of it. And so, you know, we talked about, I think one of our hidden themes today is when someone is um, put a, like an identity is put on them, like you said, men, be strong, don't show mm -hmm. weakness. Right. Seniors in high school, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Right. Because everybody knows at 17 and 18 what they're <laughs> going to do with the rest of their life. Sure. Um, you think like Matthew Perry's been all in the news this week. Huge star, huge sitcom, the friends. Right. He said he spent nine million dollars and over half his life trying to get sober. So someone that had some an identity was put on him. Oh, you're perfect because you're a star. You right. got your life is wonderful. No one knew what he was dealing with on the other side. Maybe right. close friends, but we all look at him as Chandler. Oh, right. Yeah. And so I think everybody's like so much pressure is put on people to be something that they yeah. don't have to be. Right. Right. And in Matthew and, Perry's case, he had almost unlimited resources to right. get sober. That's not always right. the case. And think over half his life, the $9 million didn't touch it most of the time. And so think of the people who don't have that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we can have an episode on this topic without acknowledging that it's not always affordable. I'd venture to say most of the time it might not be affordable when you think of just getting therapy sessions for children. And, you know, I'm thinking of all types of things that parents think about that their kids need. So being supportive, keeping open lines of communication, talking about it within your families mm -hmm. and organizations is the, is the first important rule. Because mm -hmm. if you're not talking about it, then you're not giving resources. You're not providing help. You're not, you know, helping to get people down the road. Or inviting so dialogue. Right, right. right. Mm -hmm. So communication and being heard, validated by someone is a huge difference. But how do you look at the cost as one of the greatest barriers? Therapy, it's hard to even say these numbers, generally range from $65 an hour to $250 an hour in mm. most areas of the country. A person can expect to pay $1 to $200 per session. And so you think when someone is in a painful, hurting place, how many sessions will that take? They're counting the dollars in their head. What do you think the vicious cycle is? Well, gosh, I, I now I've got to come up with money to help myself. Right. That's more stress that's more anxiety. We're actually causing this, you know, like perfect storm for people. Right, a doom so, right. Being able to say to your communities, just like in the red flag conversations is how do we come together to provide support? Just like you mentioned, our uh, organizations that we work with every day are conveners, mm -hmm. bring in mental health professionals and talk right. about how you can get these services out to your community in right. a better, more affordable way. Right. Can we put groups together? It, it is so hard. And, and what we know is it works. And there, there, here's a really good example. I want to speak specifically now uh, to this challenge in our military communities, oh. those who serve in the military and those who serve those who serve in the military, right? In, in military communities. The headline recently from New York Times, suicide has been deadlier than combat for the military. Think about that. Suicide has been deadlier than combat in the military. Hmm. More than 45,000 veterans and active duty service members have killed themselves in just the past six years. So that's 20 deaths by suicide a day, which is means there's more suicides each year 
than the total American military deaths in Afghanistan and Iraq combined. Unbelievable. Oh, overwhelming. And so, so sad. Yeah. But that's preventable. The latest Pentagon figures show the suicide rate for active duty troops. So this is now not just veterans, but active duty troops across all service branches rose by over a third in the last five years, right? To 25 people per 100,000 active duty members. And according to a recent DOD report, in 2021, 519 members died by suicide with young enlisted male service members found to be at greatest risk. Gosh, when you think about what we were talking about earlier with men, military has been told, protect us, be strong, be, be strong. courageous. There's just so much pressure put on them to save the world. Right. Constant trauma environment. Mm -hmm. So what do we do and where is their hope? There's a headline in USA Today a couple of weeks ago that caught your eye and mine. Suicide toll among soldiers in Alaska plummets amid mental health surge. Mm-hmm. So there we go. It gets back to what we've said before, access to people who can talk, who you can talk to, who can help you feel connected and valued and loved and part of a community. Mm -hmm. In Alaska, there has been one confirmed suicide death among soldiers in 2022, which is a tremendous drop compared with previous years. And that's following a surge in mental health resources to army bases in the state. Mm. Right. So what one of the counselors said is, the big thing is they can walk away confident that these people actually care. They listen. So now I'm not isolated. Right. I have a community of people who care about me. So Paige, we get to thinking about what we can we do. I want you to talk about a couple of cases that we've had recently at Redwoods where we've seen this happen in the communities yes. we serve. And then I'll circle back to something we might be able to do about it. And I think, you know, for that last point you made too, is how I don't want to simplify, like simplify what this is, but the fact that they just said somebody was listening, mm -hmm. they didn't say somebody understood exactly what I was going through. Mm -hmm. Somebody had had that experience. And so I could re relate. It was not that it was just somebody listened. Right. And so when you think of what some of the organizations we work have been through that we have seen um, staff um, die by suicide because you know, they were unhappy at a certain location. We've had that at camps and we've had that in YMCA's where either the stress of the job or the isolation, whatever the case may be, um, mm -hmm. something's happened. We, we have actually had members of YMCA's come into a facility and mm -hmm. die by suicide, you know, so thinking surrounded by people mm -hmm. surrounded by exercise equipment and, and groups that are, you know, so what does that, what does that mean for people to walk in and still feel isolated and alone in a room and a building full of people? Right. Now, I'm not saying that any of our wives or camps or anybody that has dealt with this situation did anything wrong. What we can say is encouraging everybody to, you can't walk through life. I think we said this before. We can't walk through life assuming everybody's thinking, you know, very painful thoughts about harming themselves. But you can walk through life knowing everybody likes to feel heard. Yeah. Everybody yeah. likes to feel valued. And so, as an employee, as a director, as a CEO of any organization, and let's take the ones we work with out of it. Let's let's put every CEO and director in this pool sure. of any organization, walking the halls, patting somebody on the back, giving them a hug, thanking them for being there today or what they've done, you know, done over the last week, yep. shaking their hand, 
connecting getting people to celebrate them. Those are the small things that make the biggest difference for people. Right. And so even though we've seen it, it does mean that there are things we can do to be better at just recognizing people in front of us every single day. Yep. Recognizing them, acknowledging them, thanking them, reaching out to them and connecting them with community. It might be when somebody came by to pick up a child from the boys and girls club. It might be a volunteer coach someplace. Right. In, in the case of the camp, it was a maintenance uh, person that was there year round and very, very isolated. So mm-hmm. trying to find a way to stay in touch. And the fact is, um, too few people, as you said, have access to the kind of mental health care that's necessary and, and let's say affordable access. And so what to do? Well, advocate for an increase in access to affordable mental health care in your state. In mm-hmm. some states, like here in North Carolina, that means advocating for the expansion of access to Medicare and Medicaid. Right Now, we are conveners, right? We have the opportunity to have this conversation In states where that access has been expanded, the data is clear. It shows that community-wide mental health has improved. Mm. This is not about politics. This is about (laughs) creating communities that are safe for all. And so that's an opportunity for a conversation. Well, Paige, we've been talking the whole time then about how to help your staff, how to help community. And it sounds to me like what you're saying is it's about engaging with people and engaging them with people. Right. And this, I mean, it's some of the things we've talked about on previous episodes, just being present as a leader, as a colleague, as a coworker, being present when people are in front of you. And it's hard. We get, look, we pick up our phones, we're answering emails, we're responding to texts, we're answering questions, but don't let someone walk by you. And you get that little thought in your head of like, hmm, I think they might need to hear from somebody today. Stop on your tracks. Make yeah. sure it happens. Don't this, let that pass by. This is the spot for the Dolly Parton quote, right? If if you see somebody without a smile, give them yours. Yes. Yes. Gosh. Simplest thing ever. God bless Dolly. Paige, we are about time at, at time for the big finish. Yeah. What's your big finish, your big takeaway for today? You know, I think my big finish is that, that little thread that we had about people are given these identities whether they've asked for it or not. Like mm-hmm. Men, children. You know, teenagers were all, you know, think we didn't even touch, touch on suicide in the LGBTQ community, right? right. Like, you, right. Boy, right? right. And so like this, we could have multiple episodes of how important this conversation is because people have been like tagged, like you're wearing something on the top of your head that says you're this person. Right. Being human beings mean, it means approaching everyone as human beings. Yeah. Don't put a tag on their head of what they should or should not be. Their tag is that they're humans. And yep. that we love them and that we care for them. Don't lose sight of what the world says they should be or not be. Showing up for people, listening to people, caring for people goes far beyond anything, any other advice we could give on any in, on any podcast. Yeah, meet them where they are. My big finish is really simple. Um, something our producer, Stephen Doshert, said when we're mm-hmm. talking about all these people around us, we know that one in five people in the United States is in mental health having mental health challenges, we don't know who they are. And, and it's one thing to say, I'm going to talk him off the ledge, but more often than not, it's not somebody standing on a ledge. We cannot see that they're standing on the ledge. We have no idea. There's no brand. There's no label. And as you said, we can't stereotype them. They're all coming from this place or that place. So it's the guy in the pickup line. It's the guy volunteering to coach. It's the guy on your staff, or it's the woman who's having challenges. We don't know who they are. And so, as you've said, meet everybody with respect and dignity and joy. 
and there will be that one who needed just that thing on this day. So let's go out and engage with our folks. I love it. Staffing Safety Society is created by the Redwoods Group. It's produced by Stephen Dosher, Melanie Young, Paige Bagwell, and by me. If you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review. It means a lot to us. If you have a topic suggestion or you have feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Send an email to community at redwoodsgroup.com. Again, community at redwoodsgroup.com and we'll reply. That means a ton as well. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Redwoods Group. Staffing Safety Society is recorded weekly in North Carolina. I'm Kevin Trapani. And I'm Paige Bagwell. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody.